Let's worship the Lord as we turn to our opening praise. It's the hymn 474. <clears throat> Burdens are lifted at Calvary, thinking of so many troubles and trials and difficulties that God's people are passing through, sick folks that are not able to be with us even this morning, and others that are filled with sorrow and care. And this is reminding us that there is a place where burdens are lifted, and we look to the Lord today for His help and His grace. Days are filled with sorrow and care. Hearts are lonely and drear. Let's stand to our feet as we sing. seats. We'll just sing that final verse again. Troubled soul, the Savior can see every heartache and tear.
read some of the verses from the Psalm 147, 147. Please to speak to every heart as we read the scriptures and then as we come to, to pray. Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God, for it is pleasant and praises comely. The Lord doth build up Jerusalem, he gathereth together the outcasts of Israel, he healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. He telleth the number of the stars, he calleth them all by their names. Great is our Lord, and of great power. His understanding is infinite. The Lord lifteth up the meek. He casteth the wicked down to the ground. Sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praise upon the harp unto our God who covereth the heaven with clouds, who prepareth rain for the earth, who maketh grass to grow upon the mountains. He giveth to the beast his food, and to the young ravens which cry. He delighteth not in the strength of the horse, and taketh not pleasure in the legs of a man. (coughs) The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him, in those that hope in his mercy." Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise thy God, O Zion. Ending a reading at verse 12. May the Lord bless it to our hearts. We're going to bow together in prayer. <coughs> and as we pray together, just some folks particularly to mention to you, Brother Wesley McCauley has been in hospital this weekend. Uh, he's suffering with high blood pressure has been for a number of days, and that has necessitated him being admitted to hospital. So remember in prayer, please. Sister Madge Bevan, we've been praying much for Madge in these days as she battles with disease. Uh, The Lord will be with her. And Marion Stevenson uh, has some investigation work done and is waiting on results. want to remember Marion before the Lord in prayer. We're glad to be able to report that James Wallace is out of hospital and he's very glad to be uh, back home again. There's no place like home, really, if you're well enough to be there. On a happier note, we've got Granda and Granny sitting here this morning, and that's Philip and Elaine, and their smile reaches from one end of the church to the other. We know we've been there, and we congratulate them. Paul and Ashley had a little boy little boy, Will Robert, and uh, we wish them well and the family. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, we think of the exhortation in the psalm that tells us to be still. To be still and know that thou art God. And there are times more than others when we need to do just that, especially when the storms of life come. When we experience something that David was experiencing in the psalm that he wrote, 
when he spoke about the great convulsions all around, the earth being carried into the midst of the sea, the waters are off roaring and being troubled. And yet in the midst of it all, he was able to recognize that in a storm situation like that, God was his refuge and God was his strength and he was a present help in times of trouble. And Lord, we know that these names that were mentioned are in particular need as well as the others that we pray for from, from day to day. You know the sick ones, you know Wesley in hospital and all that's going on in his body, Sister Madge, Sister Marion. We commit them in love to thee. You know every burden that is carried, every cross that is upon the shoulders of your people, and your people feel the weight of that. And for many, it's a day of trial and trouble. And Lord, we just want to commit ourselves into the hands of God and to pray particularly for those that are in the depths, going through dark times. Remember the ongoing situation in Ukraine every day, every week. As we listen to the news, we see violence and murder, mayhem, suffering. How glad we are that we're heading towards a day when these things will be all in the past. That day when God shall wipe away every tear from our eyes. When there's no more pain, no more sickness, no more death. For the former things are passed away. Lord, we pray that in the midst of our troubles and trials, you'll keep us faithful and help us to walk with the Lord in the light of his word. We pray for the comfort of your people. We thank you that there is a comforter. There is one who draws alongside in every situation of life, in the good times and in the ill times. We thank you for the blessed, blessed Jesus. He's the one, the greatest comforter of all. And may the overwhelming sense of his presence be known and felt in every home that's passing through trouble and trial. You know the children of our families who are not saved. Every one of them causes concern. Some outwardly more than others. But they're all in the same condition. They're without God and they're without hope. And they need Christ. And we do pray for them that you will have mercy. And you will bring them to Christ. Think of every unconverted loved one. And Lord, you know how our hearts feel for those that are out of Christ, that the Lord in his mercy would just step into the situation and change the circumstances and change the heart, transform the mind and bring them to the Savior. We thank you that nothing is impossible with God. May we have our hope pinned firmly upon the God of the impossibility, the one that is able to do all things. Indeed, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Give us that confidence every day as we seek to serve the Lord and walk with God. 
Send a breath of revival to this church, to this community. We pray that the church of Christ will be what Christ has intended it to be, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. We pray that you will purify us and that you will help us, Lord, to shine in a dark day. Jesus said, ye are the light of the world. Help us, Lord, to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Thank thee for the reports on Thursday night of children and youth work. We pray that you'll bless the young people of this church in this town. Bring them all to Christ. Give them a love for the Savior, second to none. Help them, Lord, to stand for thee in a wicked day. Help them to put first the Savior, seeking his kingdom and his righteousness as the Lord exhorted us in Matthew 6 and 33. We pray that you will bless every sister congregation and every faithful church in this land as we seek to proclaim the gospel and deal with all the glorious doctrines surrounding the person of Christ. And not least at this time of the year, our thoughts are upon the birth of the Savior, the incarnation, God becoming man. We're so glad about that. We would not have been saved otherwise. Bless your church worldwide. We know that Christ is building it in the nations of the world. Bless our missionaries in all their endeavor. Remember, especially Noreen from this congregation, as she serves the Lord in Uganda. Thank thee for that open door and for the many that gather every week and the children too at the school. Lord, may her ministry be owned of God. Encourage her in the Lord and all of her missionaries at this time. And Father, we pray that you will remember even the little time that we spent in Romania this week and those that we spoke to, the opportunities given to us, the sharing of the gospel, the sowing of the seed of your word, the encouragement that we sought to bring. Own it for your glory. Help us, Lord, to be what God wants us to be in our day. We know that we're rushing to eternity. We could be in eternity before this day is through. How shall we stand before God? What shall we say to him in that day? And so as we we think of these things, may we put the Lord first. May we live righteously and holy and godly in this present evil world. Help us, Lord, to guard our thoughts. Help us to guard our attitudes. Help us, Lord, to behave in the way that the Scripture exhorts us and tells us to, especially in the light of His coming. What manner of persons ought ye to be? The question is asked. And all holy conversation. And Lord, we know that that is to be a walk with God that honors Him. Help us to aim at it every day. And to please not self or the flesh or other people, but to please God, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll run through the announcements quickly. We bid you welcome, very warm word of welcome, in the Savior's name. If you're at home, um, some listen from home from week to week because they can't get out, we welcome you as well. And if you're sick, let us side at this time. And we know that there's a lot of colds and flus going about. We trust that the Lord will be with you and bless you. Our own clerk of session is not well, 
I remember Phil before the throne of grace in prayer. Tonight is the first of a series of meetings in December that gives us the opportunity to invite people in under the sound of the word, and we have called it Christmas Family Night. First Sunday night of the month is Family Night, and this is the Christmas one, seven o'clock. Charlotte Cahey from Porto Vogue will be here to sing, and I'll be preaching the word, so remember that. Come a little bit earlier. There'll be a time of community singing beforehand, and from now on in, uh, we'll be singing those things that remind us particularly of the incarnation of Christ. I know our sister, uh, Pat Mills, loves to, to hear the Christmas carols for as many weeks as possible before Christmas, and I'm sure you feel the same way. Supper will be served, and all the ladies, and ladies, we do need you to do this so that there is a supper uh, provided. You're asked to bring half a loaf of sandwiches and a dozen buns if possible. Young people, you have a youth choir practice, the young people of the fellowship, after tonight's meeting, that will be in the church hall on Monday. There's a group of children singing in the evening time at the Lodge Hotel. It's a function that's organized by Desi. And he says, could you get a few children from the church? And I want to thank the ladies that, that have organized that and got a few kids together to do that tomorrow night. Tuesday at 11, our senior fellowship Christmas tea if you're in that category of the seniors, we'd love to have you on Tuesday with us. Tuesday night is the final one of this year of Youth Challenge, and it's their Christmas meeting coming in at 6.30. It's an extended program from 6.30 until 8 o'clock, and the invitations have gone out. And we want you to really make an effort, each one of you. This is part of what you can do for the Lord. If you know children, get them in Tuesday night under the sound of the word. Thursday night is the midweek service at 8 o'clock, and in the will of God, and as we change last Thursday night, we will have reports from Sunday School and Youth Fellowship. We'll see how Wesley is, but maybe somebody else might need to step in there. Uh, he does need to just step back and take a little bit of a break until things are regulated within his body. On Friday at lunchtime, there's a group from Ukraine group here are going to McGilligan Prison. I hope they don't keep you. I hope they let you out again. Uh, but leaving here about a quarter past twelve because the road is blocked, but we can explain that to you later. And that is at one o'clock. They'll be singing. The pastor will be testifying. And I'll be showing a few slides to the prisoners about what the Lord has done here with our Ukrainian friends. Friday evening, the Sunday school Christmas party is at seven. Invitations should have all gone out now to the children. And on Friday, the young people are visiting the seniors uh, coming in here for seven and then leaving from the church. Next Lord's Day, the prayer meeting is at eight o'clock. Sunday school, 10.30. The Bible class at a quarter to 11. And Mervyn will deal with why Bethlehem. These are questions answered concerning the birth of Christ. Worship service, 12 noon. Christmas friends and neighbors night at 7. Various ones will be taking part from the church. Uh, we look forward to that, and that will be so over the next number of Sunday nights. Supper will be served, and it's the same menu. Ladies, if you can do that over the December month, we'll appreciate that. Half a loaf of sandwiches and a dozen buns.
The 18th of December is the annual Christmas carol service. And on Christmas Day in the evenings at 7 o'clock, our Christmas Day gospel service, we thank you sincerely for all your tithes and offerings to God's work. And let's let the Bible speak today and the missionary covenant support. And it's also the, the building for next Lord's Day. Just to mention, as we aim towards the, the Lord's table in January, the first sun, Sunday of January, if anyone is seeking communicant membership, see me as soon as possible. Please continue to remember the sick before the throne of grace and prayer. Uh, we did announce that James got home, and we're glad about that. And others are needing the touch of the Lord and all of those matters pertaining to our friends in Ukraine, bring them to the Lord in prayer. Once again, congratulations to, to Paul and Ashley and the birth of their baby boy, Will Robert, and to the new grandparents, as we've mentioned. And this is the little one that was born last night at a quarter to twelve. So, not even a day old yet. Aid distribution in Kershaw. Uh, this is through our Romanian brethren. Four buses from Arad and Timisoara with around 25,000 pounds of aid has gone to this very needy city and every single thing that was sent will be needed and much more. These people are in great need. You've heard the news and you've heard what's happening in Kershaw and the devastation that is caused. And just to bring food and clothes at this time of terrible war is a great help to these people. And we thank those that are involved in this ministry. Pastor Florine wants to go. He couldn't go this time. His, his brother, who was another pastor in Timisoara, went with another group of men. I want to thank you sincerely for praying for us during our very short trip to Romania in the past week. We met with many families, including Stefan, Krina, and their children, and this is the extended family. And we were able to see what was built, uh, the chicken coop, the fence that's up, and uh, the hens that are there now laying eggs. And the clothes that were sent out were distributed to them. And we went on search on two occasions, one on the Tuesday and another on the, on the Wednesday, to, to find a pig. This is a rather big one. It'll be a little bit smaller than that, but we have organized that this family will be able to get this for Christmas. If you had a turkey that size, it would, it would really feed a lot, wouldn't it? And some of you know Florentina, this young 12-year-old girl, part of the family there. And this is the children trying out the, the toothbrushes. We had a lovely opportunity, and you've seen this, so I don't need to go into it in detail, uh, to visit two Roma churches where there's a great gospel witness, and this was one we were told to expect 10 or 15 children. And uh, as the day went on, we heard more and more were turning up. By the time we arrived there, uh, including the adults, there must have been at least 100 people. So very thankful to the Lord for the opportunity. And the pastor of the church is this gentleman on the, the right side. We had a lovely time with him and went to see uh, this family afterwards, we asked if we could, that they live in one little room, and the weather's very cold there at the minute, so there was no heat whatsoever, and they were actually leaving the house when we went down, 
uh, to go and try and stay somewhere else where somebody might have had a little bit of heat. And so for about 20 pounds, they, they bought an old um, second-hand stove, and the pastor got that put in the next day, uh, so they have heat for their family. Took the children shopping for school supplies. We met another dear pastor who works in the area. Remember, there's over 400,000 people live in the county of Bazeau, and there's only five churches, and there might be a few gospel assemblies, but uh, all in all, two or three hundred believers. That's it. So a massive work. This was the other church that we visited, the pastor here on the left side, and they changed their prayer meeting night to facilitate our visit so that we could be with them. And again, we were able to visit after the meeting uh, this little family, little Sarah. On the right side, she suffers with epilepsy. Uh, She's five-year-old, and then her sister, four-year-old on the left. We stayed with this pastor, Pastor Emmanuel, on the right side, and this is his father. We had breakfast each morning with the father over in his home. And before we left on the Thursday, we gathered together with six of the pastors and elders just to sit and talk to them and seek to encourage them in the Lord. Some of the food, we left some money to buy food, and that was quickly put into place. And we have a couple of little projects. I'll not mention this now. If you listen to the video this morning, all the details are there, so I don't need to say anything more, except there's been a good response even so far. Some people have contacted me, uh, promising help, and I got a gift this morning, which was a, a great encouragement. Christmas dinner took place on Friday night. It was, a, it was a very good meal and a lovely time together. And we're thankful for Samuel, who sort of organized it, got it all together, getting the list and so forth. And I think everybody that went had a really good time, good time of fellowship, just sitting with one another at the tables and uh, enjoying the good food that was provided. So if you want to see some of the other photographs, Samuel has them. And the children had a lovely time as well. And uh, I'm not too sure exactly what that was all about, but uh, at the end, Noel and Mervyn were left. And they can explain exactly what was going on. And uh, from the youngest to to the oldest, I'm not saying that Ryan was the oldest, but from the youngest, everyone had a good time. Great team of workers here yesterday. And I want to thank you sincerely for all that helped. There was a lot of work done from 8 o'clock in the morning until after 1 o'clock. And this was a tedious task. You remember all the the, the markings on the floor, tramped in, half-worn, and to get that sticky stuff off, it was a very tedious task. And with all workers in, from the young uh, to the older, cleaning outside, erecting shelving along the corridor at the church hall for all that needs to be stored there, and these pallets, um, many clothes, we were able to read out nearly everything, and three pallets have now been arranged to go to those poor places over in Romania. There's a story behind this, and uh, there's two men that volunteered to get on top of these pallets just to, you know, use their weight to push them down that little bit more. 
And that's the first one. We'll leave you to guess who that is. Uh, the other man really enjoyed what he was doing. And we, we, we appreciate both of them climbing up so high and just that little space between the pallet and the ceiling. And yet the work was done and everything is organized and ready to go. And Philip getting the strapping on and giving lessons to these men that, that looked on to see how it was all done. And then, of course, you need to eat. And they all enjoyed something to eat and a time of fellowship mid-morning. Over in Uganda, Ronald, one of our teachers and mission directors, he got married yesterday. Scripture says, he that findeth himself a wife findeth a good thing. And we've met this couple, and uh, they're a lovely couple, and we trust that God will really bless them. Reverend Malcolm Patterson, he traveled from Kenya to conduct the wedding. And from all accounts, they had a wonderful day together. These are all the announcements that we need to make. We're going to sing 681. So send I you to labor unrewarded, to serve unpaid, unloved, unsought, unknown, to bear rebuke, to suffer scorn and scoffing. So send I you to toil for me alone. We understand exactly what the hymn writer is saying here. Very often as we labor for the Lord, it is unrewarded in this life. But let's remember that we're laying off for ourselves treasure in heaven when we serve God here on the earth. And there is a great reward that the Lord one day will give to his faithful people. But as far as many of our missionaries going to uh, the far distant areas of the world, so often it seems to be so unrewarded. But there is blessing. Let's think of the words. May God challenge our hearts as we sing. Uh, verse 2, between verse 1 and 2, there's an additional verse that we've included because there are other verses belonging to this hymn that are not in the hymn book. Thank you. Let's rise to our feet this soon.
heading towards our missionary weekend in January. This could be a missionary meeting this morning when you think of these hymns that we've sung together, when you think of the challenge that we're going to look at just now in Mark chapter 8 as we come to the next message. It's message 67 in Mark's gospel and reading just the relevant verses, the text for today, 34 and 35. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. And particularly the second part of verse 34, as I speak on the subject, the meaning of bearing our cross. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Let's pray. Father, we praise thee today for your grace, the grace of God that has saved us, the grace of God that keeps us, the grace of God that will take us home one day. And Lord, we know that we need your grace even at such a time as this in the study of your word. We pray that you will grant this congregation God's grace, wisdom, understanding, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Give me the words to say and the power to proclaim your word and Lord, make this meeting count for something, something worthwhile, something for eternity. Do an eternal work within our hearts. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The majority of pioneer missionaries had their start in rather humble and obscure circumstances with limited financial resources and few opportunities for an adequate education. But C.T. Studd is an exception to the pattern. His father, Edward Studd, had made a fortune in India and had retired home to England to spend his fortune. C.T., as he was known as, and his two brothers were sent to Eton College, one of the most famous English schools. When C.T. Studd was only 16 years of age, he was an outstanding, he was outstanding in the game of cricket. And in the year 1879, he became the captain of the team. C.T. was converted to Christ when he was 18 years old. But he felt for the first six years of his Christian experience that he had lived as a backslider. He hadn't really gone on with God. He hadn't really walked with God the way that he should have. However, he came to a place of absolute surrender to God, handing over his life entirely to the Lord for him to do with him as he pleased. What really spoke to him was when his older brother nearly died. 
Stud then realized the vanity and the worthlessness of earthly fame, flattery, popularity, and wealth in the light of eternity. He gave himself wholly to Jesus Christ. For the rest of his life, C.T. would embody his motto. If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice is too great for me to make for him. He gave up fame and fortune to become a missionary in China. He literally gave everything away. While he was in China as a missionary, C.T. Studd turned 25 years of age. It was then that he inherited a large sum of money from his father's will. He felt constrained in his heart to give away his fortune, and he did most of it before he knew the exact amount of his inheritance. C.T. Studd sent £5,000 to Mr. Moody, another 5000 to George Mueller, 4000 to be used in missionary work, and 1000 in the orphanage, as well as £15,000 to support our other worthy ministries. In a few months, he was able to discover the exact amount of his inheritance, and he gave some additional thousands away, leaving him with 3000 400 pounds in his possession. And he gave this 3,000 pounds, 400 to the woman he was about to marry. And he gave it to her as a wedding gift. But Priscilla Livingstone Stewart was determined to start clean at her wedding. And she too gave that money away to the Lord's work. It was C.T. who said... Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Many people pray, Oh, God, help me to give up all and follow Christ and answer the call. But few actually get to the place of absolute surrender. And I might just say, by the way, when you think of those thousands, over 30,000 pounds that C.T. Studd gave away. You might think that's not a, well, it's an awful amount even now, but you might think that's not a terrible amount, really. But if you were to bring it into today's value, and I looked it up this morning on the internet, it would transport to nearly five million pounds if you had that money today. He gave it all away. We come this morning to the subject, the important subject of cross-bearing. What it is to be a disciple of Christ, what it costs to really follow the Lord. Jesus has just been telling his disciples how things would go with him personally in verse 31. He tells them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. Suffering rejection, and even death. That's how it would go for Christ. And these disciples must expect the same. At this moment, in verse 34, he calls the multitude together with his disciples. 
He has something important to tell them, something that they needed to know if they were truly to follow him. And so he begins this searching challenge. Whosoever will come after me. To really go after Christ, to wholly follow the Lord, means to deny yourself and to take up your cross. And this is a subject that I want to deal with today. I want to say, first of all, as you you look at the text of Scripture, that there is a self to deny. Now, denying self is not quite the same as self-denial. We practice self-denial when, for a good reason, we occasionally give up things or activities. You, You might give up certain foods for a period of time. You might give up a leisure night or a football night, or some other kind of night to go and serve the Lord. You might give up your money periodically to do something for the Lord. But when we deny self, we surrender to Christ, and we purpose to obey His will. We lay all on the altar of sacrifice. We say to Almighty God, here am I. Here am I, all of me, everything that I am. Here am I, use me, send me, fill me, do what you will with me. You pray as Jesus Christ prayed, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And we all have our own will. Our own will is to do what we want to do. But when you get to the place where you, you, you deny yourself, You're saying to the Lord, no, it's not my will, but it's thy will that I want for my life. Now, there's nothing wrong with a healthy ambition to do well in this life. And of course, I I began with C.T. Studd, and he's outstanding. Not everybody will be called upon to do what he did, or not everybody will feel constrained of God to do what he did. But I want to say to you, there's nothing wrong with a healthy ambition to do well in this life, as long, and I'm speaking to believers here, as long as Christ is first in your life, as long as you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, as long as you don't let your ambition interfere with your walk with God. God may want you to be a scientist, and that's, we've got scientists in this church And that's a good occupation, and that can be used well in your life. God might want you, or you might want, and God might want you to be a doctor. And that's a good profession to follow, and so many people will be helped through that endeavor. God might want you to be a teacher, and we have many teachers in our congregation. And all these things, of course, can be brought into, transported into God's work, and those skills that you you learn in your daily occupation can be brought into God's work, and that ought to be so. God might want you to to run a business. We need good Christians in every avenue of life. Did not the Lord teach us that we are the salt and the light of the world? Wherever we go, whatever employment we follow, whatever job that we have, we are the salt and light for God. But don't let your ambition take you away from God. Don't let your ambition take you away from your quiet time 
or away from the prayer meeting or away from your commitments to Christ and his kingdom. You must still live, and and I, I love this expression, and we use it from time to time, with eternity's values in view. That's the way you ought to live, child of God, every single day, with the values of the eternity before you, living in the light of that day when you shall come to stand before the Lord. When you deny yourself, you are prepared to lay everything on the altar. You have no will but God's will. You have no ambition but God's ambition. You have no mission but God's mission. You are ready to give up your life's dream, whatever that might be, and you get to the place that is expressed in Noel Grant's hymn of surrender above thine own ambitions here. Another voice is calling, sounding clear. It is the call of God to thee. O leave thy all and follow me. Go through with God thy vows to pay. Thine all upon the altar lay. The Holy Ghost will do the rest and bring to thee God's very best. Noel Grant in his hymn talked about the, the challenges of friends who call and of home being so dear. And we all know about that. When we're challenged about doing something for the Lord or challenged about maybe going into full-time service, the friends that call, and the home that we love being so precious to us. Indeed, the possibility of a lonely path. He spoke about that too. He sets before us the high price and the severe test of full surrender and what it is to go through with God. And this is the cost of enjoying God's very best. Surely we want the best for ourselves. And we want the best for our children. That may not be in some high place in society or in business. That may not be in the heights of worldly success. You want to get to this place, child of God, of denying yourself, placing your all on the altar for God. Father, mother, you want to get to the place of Abraham and Isaac Genesis 22, as he took that journey out into Mount Moriah, that three-day journey, and he got to the place of the altar where he built his altar, and he put Isaac on the altar, and Abraham was saying, Lord, whatever the cost, whatever the sacrifice, I am yours, my family is yours, I'm prepared to pay the price of being what it is that God wants me to be. Denying self means to live as an others-centered person. came across that little phrase when I was preparing for this message. I'd never really heard it before. Living as an others-centered person. Very often people live as a Christ or a a self-centered person. Well, we want to be a Christ-centered person, but we always also want to be an others-centered person, living for the good of others. So there is a self to deny. Secondly, there is a cross to carry. This expression is one and the same as the previous one. Denying yourself and, and taking up your cross are pretty much pointing us to the same thing. Cross bearing means death. Everyone knew what what Jesus meant when he spoke about the cross. 
The cross was the instrument of death. The cross had no other purpose than to put people to death. And so the cross was the way of death. And that, for the Christian, might entail physical death, as it did for Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ was going to die. As it did for so many of the Lord's people. We think of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. It certainly meant physical death for him, being what God wanted him to be, the faithful preacher and evangelist that he became. It certainly meant the same for for James, who was beheaded by Herod for the sake of Christ. Or for Peter, as church history tells us, that he was crucified upside down, not counting himself worthy to be crucified in the same position as his Savior. This was so for most of the other disciples as well. It was so for William Tyndale. You've got the heroes of the faith out in the fellowship area. The very first one, going back all those centuries, William Tyndale, the scholar, the brilliant scholar who translated the Bible into the English language, the New Testament, and was hated for it. And it meant his death, and he died as a martyr. He was strangled and then he was burned to death. But before that happened, 18,000 copies of the New Testament had been printed. It was so for the martyred bishops. And we, we have other heroes of the faith there. Nicholas Ridley, Thomas Cranmer, Hugh Latimer, and many more besides. Think of Jim Elliot and his friends who sought to, to reach the uh, Ecuador Indians for Christ. And we think of the persecuted Christians today in various parts of the world. And it has meant in the past, and still for some today, physical death to take up your cross and follow the Lord. But carrying the cross also means to be crucified with Christ. The expression that is used by the apostle when he spoke about his death with Christ in Galatians 2 and 20 Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, uh, and so forth. Jesus says, take up your cross. And you know, that picture is of a man carrying his cross to the place of execution, as they did, as Jesus did for a time until Simon the Cyrenian carried the cross the rest of the way. That's how it was done. Take up your cross. Paul said in another place, I die daily. Every day he was crucified. Every day he died. He carried his cross every day and walked down the road of crucifixion. It is to be crucified to the world. It's to be crucified to your personal ambition. It's to be crucified to self and sin. It is to be crucified to all that we ever hope to be in this life. Another hymn writer spoke about giving up your life's ambition, and we sang it today. So send I you to leave your life's ambition, to die, to dare, desire, self will resign, to labor long and love where men revile you. So send I you to lose your life in mine. We think of so many of the great heroes of the faith, and that's the place that they got to. There was a cross for them to carry. 
And then there's one final little thought, and that is there's a Christ to follow. As the Christian denies himself, and he takes up his cross, he does so to follow Christ. God is looking for such men and women today, Christians who are surrendered, Christians who are sold out to his will, Christians who are willing to lay everything on the altar of sacrifice for God. It is the best life. It is the most rewarding life. It is life, I have to say, with a capital L. And my friends, when you do that, God can use you. Remember Henry Varley? He said one time to his young friend, D.L. Moody, the world has yet to see what God can do with a man fully consecrated to him. And young Moody said in his heart, by the grace of God, I will be that man. Ah, said Moody to Henry Varley, Valley, those were the words sent to my soul through you from the living God. As I crossed the wide Atlantic, the boards of the deck of the vessel were engraved with them. When I reached Chicago, the very paving stones seemed to, to be marked with Moody. The world has yet to see what God can do with a man fully consecrated to him. Under the power of those words, I have come back to England, and I felt that I must not let more time pass until I let you know how God had used your words to my inmost soul. Moody handed himself over to the Lord, as you know. He became a mighty evangelist and soul winner. He has been reputed as being the greatest evangelist of the 19th century. Estimates vary, but D.L. Moody is thought to have led as many as a million souls to Christ. The world has yet to see what God can do with a man fully consecrated to him. Jesus says, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. God is speaking to the hearts today in this service, to some young people, to some older folks. You felt the challenge many, many times in your heart, but as yet you've never taken up that challenge. The call is renewed today. God is speaking. Will you not hand over your life to Christ right now? Jesus is calling your blessed Savior who went to the cross for your sins, who took upon him your punishment and mine, dying in your stead, oh, to see his agonizing wounds, to gaze upon his mangled, bleeding form upon that tree, and know afresh in your soul his love and his mercy and his forgiveness, and then hear him call out to you today, come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Can you not hear him say, 
Follow me, for that's what he's saying. Follow me to the place of consecration and surrender. Follow me to the souls of dying sinners and win them. Follow me to the man who lives next door, who is out of Christ and he needs the gospel. Follow me to your unregenerated friend. Follow me to your precious loved one who is without Christ. Follow me to Bible college and prepare for the future. Follow me to some mission trip. Follow me to some pulpit in this land. Follow me to the mission field. Follow me to Africa, to China, to some European country, Eastern Europe. Follow me into the children's work. Follow me into the prayer meeting and become an intercessor with God. Oh, Christ is calling. There is a Christ to follow. Have you discerned that call in the past? Are you discerning that call now? Is God using the words here in Mark chapter 8 that we come to in our study to speak to your heart afresh? Oh, I trust that there will be those among this congregation today who will say, Lord, here am I. Help me to take up my cross and help me to follow Christ. Help me to take that step of faith that God's will becomes my will. His mission is my mission. His ambition is my ambition. I'm ready, preacher, to do what God wants me to do. May God bless his word and challenge us all to be what we ought to be for God's glory. Let's pray. We've just heard the Savior speak in, in this passage about his suffering and his rejection and his death. And these disciples that he spoke to could expect the same. And he calls them, and not just the disciples, but those that were come together on this occasion, and the Christians through the centuries, right down to today, he calls them still to deny themselves, to take up their cross, and to follow him. Lord, may we learn from these things. If you want us to be in the secular employments of today, help us to obey your will, to do it, to be the best Christian in business, to be the best Christian in the shop, to be the best Christian in school life, wherever the course of our employment takes us, to be the salt and the light of the earth. And Lord, may our ambition never conflict with the work that you've called us to, the most important work for eternity, the life of a Christian lived well for your glory. May we ever seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But Lord, perhaps for some, it is a further commitment to God's work in the local church to get more involved in the reaching of souls among the youth, among the children, among the adult population, maybe a ministry of evangelism, personal evangelism out there in the community. For others, 
It could be a call to some kind of missionary work. Maybe the ministry. Oh, gracious God, today, if thou hast spoken, we pray that there will be an immediate response, a willing heart to deny self, take up the cross, and follow Christ. Help every one of us to lay everything on the altar and to say right now in the close of this service, here am I, Lord. Use me. In whatever capacity that you want to use me, use me for your glory and help me to live with eternity in view. We just leave this now with thee, dear gracious God. Work in my heart. Work in the heart of this people. For your honor and your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. In our hymn book, there is one verse. No, this is, uh, sorry, this is for tonight. I'm getting mixed up. This is the hymn we want to sing, the Go Through With God hymn. I was checking about a hymn with our organist and pianist earlier. Above thine own ambitions here, another voice is sounding clear. It is the call of God to thee. O leave thy all and follow me. The verse that I, or the hymn that I quoted from earlier, with this chorus, go through with God thy vows to pay. Thy life upon the altar lay. The Holy Ghost will do the rest and bring to thee God's very best. It's a hymn of great challenge. It's challenged my heart many times, and I'm sure yours likewise. May there be a going through with God. God has spoken to you, you know, as, as ministers and elders in the church. We're glad about that, and we want to help you, counsel you, encourage you all that we can. If you want to share that burden with us, what God's doing in your heart and your life, speak to us. We'd love to be able to hear from you and then pray for you. But may we all go through with God and do what he wants us to do. We'll sing the hymn as we close.
praying that there will be a going through with God today. Brethren and sisters, we leave it with you. It's between you and the Lord. May God do a work of grace in every heart. Dismiss us now, O gracious God, with your blessing. Let your word live on, the challenge of Christ's words here in our text. And help us to obey the Lord, to walk with God, to please him, to put him first, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then we know all those other things will be added unto us. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.